Welcome to Harrison Church. Last week we began a new sermon series based on John Wesley's 22 essential questions to ask yourself as a Methodist. This week's question, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I am? We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Shane Page. Amen. Yes, O Lord, you are our healer and get us to the place where we can truly say you are all that we need. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome here to this service of worship. If you are visiting with us, uh, my name is Shane. And uh, if you haven't been with us uh, the last couple of weeks, I was out of uniform. Now I'm back in uniform. Life is back to normal now. Uh, last week, though, uh, under that, that tent in the, in the parking lot, uh, we decided to start a new sermon series. And uh, it's a ser- sermon series on uh, what we're calling the essential questions of John Wesley. Now, John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. And uh, he proposed 22 questions for self-reflection. The Bible actually calls us to do this, to like examine ourselves, like Psalm 139, search me and know me, O God, try me, see where my heart is. And it is so critical if you want to deepen your relationship with God, you got to ask, where am I? Where are the dark places? Where are the light places? And so last week we started with the last of the 22 questions. So question 22, which was, is Jesus Christ real to me? Is Jesus Christ real to you? Is it a part of your experience? Or is it kind of dried up? Wesley, at a point in his life, it was dry. It was hollow. He did not feel as though Jesus was real to him. So today, we're going to actually start with question number one. Now, I'm not going to do a sermon series on all 22 questions, just a few of them. Although, there's a couple that are just hilarious. Like, how would you do a sermon on, did I go to bed on time and get up on time every day? What's that about? I have no idea. But number one that, uh, that Wesley wants all of us to examine ourselves with is, is this one. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? Or, in other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I creating the impression that I'm really better than I am? Or, in other words, am I a hypocrite? Well, Jesus had a lot to say about that. So I'm going to read from you from uh, two places in the Gospels, uh, from Matthew and from Luke. And I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Gospel this morning. The words of our Lord. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes, or like the clergy, the scholars, and the Pharisees. Those are the religious lay people, the non-clergy, really holy people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross sea and land to make a single convert, and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. He's in a bad mood here. But he keeps going. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And then Jesus says this in the hearing of all the people. He said to the disciples, beware of the scribes, people like me, who like to walk around in long robes. And love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues or the house of worship. 
and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, there it is again, appearance, they say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Ouch! Well, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, question number one, are we creating the impression that we are better than we really are? In other words, are we hypocrites? I think the reason John Wesley started this as uh, question number one is because our Lord right here, he talks about it so much. And he, he's on a tirade. Woe to you, hypocrites. On the outside, you look so nice and so pleasant. On the inside, you're full of dead bones. And then you got to love the other thing that Jesus says, you know, beware of those who wear the long robes. And have the best seats in the house, in the house of God. Hmm. Now, I'm in a contemporary service here, and uh, you, you, don't, you don't get a chance to really see me, what I look like in the, uh, in the other building at the other services. So, so, excuse me for just a moment. I'll be right back. All right, here we go. Can you hear me? All right. Let's see. Here it is. All right. Beware of them who wear long robes and have the best seats in the house of worship. I've never gotten dressed in front of church before. But I will tell you, we do have the best seats in the house. Uh, we clergy, we, we see everything. You know, we, we, know, we know when you're into this. Uh, we see you when you're sleeping. We know when you're awake. Pastor Kyle, he's notorious. He said, did you see what's, what's her name said and what the face she said when you, when you mentioned this in your sermon? I'm like, Kyle, come on, man. Just, no, I'm just kidding. He doesn't really do that. All right, so here's my robe. And uh, this is actually called a cinch, I believe. And, and it's supposed to kind of look like a cross when you put it on. So you put this robe on. Let's see. Yep. Ta-da! All right, beware of them who wear long robes. I, uh, I remember uh, the first day I actually put on a robe like this. I was an intern. I was in seminary. And in seminary, you, you, they send you to churches in the summer. And uh, I remember it was my first Sunday. It was a little church in Lincolnton. And the name of the church was Laboratory United Methodist Church. Isn't that great? Laboratory. I felt like I was in the lab. And I remember when I put this, when this, this robe on or something like it, I just felt the weight of the responsibilities. Like, no, now this is real. Oh my gosh, it was always just head knowledge until that moment. And I just kind of felt the responsibilities. And, and really what this robe is supposed to do is, is it's supposed to kind of say that I'm set apart. Okay, I'm with you, but I'm set apart. God has called me to lead uh, worship. And, and really if you think about it, when there are certain pieces of clothing that when you put it on, you do kind of assume a different identity. You think about the robe of a judge. Uh, you can think of the camouflage of a soldier. You can think of the scrubs, is that what they're called? Uh, nurses, doctors, all right, it, that says something. And then in 2007, uh, it was the day of my ordination when I finally passed. <laughs> and uh, that night in 2007, the bishop laid hands on me, and then after I got up, they placed over me what's called a, a stole. Now, a stole is a symbol of a yoke kind of a yoke that you would put on livestock, kind of guide them. And, and what this says is that from now on, I, I am yoked to the church. I, I, I am yoked to the people of God. I am yoked to Christ. One of the decisions I decided to make right after I was ordained, and it makes me kooky among some of my peers, is that I did decide to wear this every day, a clerical collar. One of the reasons I did that is because I wanted to open up my ministry, like anywhere I went. 
Uh, there have been numerous occasions when I've gone to visit someone in the hospital on my way out. Some other family whom I do not know will ask me to come pray. Now, that's a privilege. Uh, another reason that I decided to do it is for my sake, to keep me in check. Because, see, I have impulses just like you, and you want me to represent you real well. There are days when I want to say something, and then I look down like, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't say that, what I really want to say. So this is almost as much for me, I wear all this stuff, than it is for you. But, see, the thing about Jesus is that he knows that I can use this vestment to hide some realities. So I can get trapped in the trappings, as we might say. And the thing that Jesus really cares about is, 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 is am, I, am I living into what this attire really represents, or am I kind of play-acting? You see, that's what hypocrisy really is. You know, the Greek word that Jesus uses for hypocrisy or hypocritus comes from uh, an actor or an actress on the stage. They would get up on the stage and they would put on a mask. These are the hypocrites. And then uh, on the stage in front of you, they are a certain character, but then off the stage they put away their mask and there's someone else entirely. So are we putting on the mask here in worship? Are we just playing because we're not supposed to be someone else at all? I mean, there is just something about us. You and I have a tendency to get caught up in the surface of things, the appearance uh, of things. You think about vanity. Vanity, oh, one of the seven deadly sins. Uh, You've heard of vanity before? What is vanity? Vanity is nothing more than you being kind of preoccupied with your image. How do people see me? Uh, How do I, what's my reputation like, right? How do they see me? Not really what's going on at all. You think about the cult of celebrity in our country? Man, we just gawk at all of the opulence and the gowns on the red carpet, have no idea what's going on in that person's life, but we just get so caught up in the glitz and the glam. Or we get our phone and we make sure that we post the coolest selfie we can find, put it on our social media account, looking really nice, (laughs) you know, a nice background behind us, and, and yet that can cover so much, can it not? You don't get to the reality. You know, I think I've said before, I'm waiting for the day, maybe you know people who have done this, I'm waiting for someone to be really truthful on Facebook and just say, here's my selfie, <laughs> I just had a knockdown drag out with my, my wife or my husband and I cursed at my children. We don't post that. See, it's all surface. We can get caught up in the appearance of things. Those are impressive to us. But what we need to understand is that what is impressive to God is not usually what's impressive to us and what's impressive to us is usually not impressive to God at all. I'm thinking about the prophet Samuel in the Old Testament. Some of you remember what uh, God said uh, to Samuel the prophet. He says that the Lord does not see as man sees. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus in his ministry got past all this, and he saw the heart. This is one of the reasons I think that Jesus... (laughs) was so fired up at people like me who wear the long robes and the good religious people. You ever notice this? Other people have made this observation before, but if you read the Gospels, Jesus almost never attacks people who are just visibly distraught. I mean, you can just look at them and say their lives are messed up. He never attacks them. He never says, you need to do better. He almost always attacks people who looked very pious And yet their lives were a complete contradiction to what they say that they believe. Those are the kinds of people who Jesus spent most of his time attacking just like he did in our lesson this morning. It's the religious folks. And yet, 
Although Jesus is really giving clergy like me a hard time in this passage, isn't it true that you, even though you're not clergy, isn't it true that the New Testament says that you're a priest? It does. You are a holy people. You're a royal priesthood, the New Testament says. In other words, you're, you're supposed to be like me. You know what I'm doing up here? I'm supposed to represent for you what you're supposed to be for the rest of the week. Uh, Bishop Paul Leland, there was an annual conference in the Methodist Church. We have to get together with other clergy once a year. And at our annual conference, our new Bishop Paul Leland used a uh, motto for the gathering, and it was simply this. It was, baptism is the ordination of the laity. Baptism is the ordination of the laity. How many of you have been baptized? You're ordained. You are ordained to be a priest. And there's where you get John Wesley's question. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you just play acting? You got a mask on right now? In other words, are you a hypocrite? I got to tell you, every time I uh, think of the word hypocrite, I, I, I think of a moment with my grandmother. I've got to share this story. I was a little boy then, and she used to take care of uh, her uncle, so it would be my great uncle. His name was Frank. And he was like this curmudgeonly guy, I mean, just grumpy all the time. And I can remember when I was with her, she had to run an errand for him. She came into his house, and uh, he lived off Linwood Road in Gastonia. And uh, she said, Uncle Frank, you need to get yourself in a church. <laughs> this is typical for Uncle Frank. He said, I ain't going to go to no church with a bunch of hypocrites. And then she immediately responded, and she said, well... I'd rather go to church with them than to hell with them. <laughs> Maybe inappropriate, but I'm just thinking of that story. But isn't it kind of true, though? I mean, if you think about it. In a way, she's got a point. I mean, isn't it sort of true that if, if you were to ask, if we were all to ask, am I a hypocrite, wouldn't the answer really be yes? Aren't we really hypocrites? And maybe this is kind of interpretive gymnastics here, but I'm thinking... Isn't there, might there be something called like a noble form of hypocrisy? Like, is there a good kind of hypocrisy? Uh, I mean, if you really were to size your pastor up to everything Jesus said, you know, there are areas in my life that it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It'd be off. I'm your pastor. You know, Jesus said things like, do not worry about your life. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your pastor. I worry a lot. Or Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Well, there are days in my life when it feels like something in my soul is breaking in line. I get called up, you know, and, and so I'm a hypocrite. I mean, if you were to size me up to everything, then, then yes, I would be a hypocrite. But I, I hope that I'm the hypocrite of the good kind. What I mean by that is that, man, I'm trying. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm doing the very best best that I can. I'm trying to work with the grace of God. I'm striving here. You know, I may not, I may be a warrior, but I'm not the warrior I used to be. You know, I'm trying my best to put God first in everything. And there are days when I don't do a good job of that, but I'm doing better than I used to be. So I'm striving, right? They're a good kind of hypocrisy. I think Jesus would roll with that. Like, are you striving? Are you at least striving? But I don't think that's what Jesus is attacking here. He's attacking the bad kind of hypocrisy. This is the hypocrisy that's where people just care to look. They just want to appear religious, but they're not doing a 
nothing <laughs> to deepen their relationship with God. Those are the hypocrites that Jesus is getting upset with, the people who look very good, but they're not really doing anything at all. I remember there was a gentleman in one of the churches that I served. I was doing one of the new member classes. Right after the class, he says, hey, I appreciated this class. I learned a lot about the Methodist church I didn't know before. And he says, you know, I got to tell you, one of the reasons I, I come on Sundays is because uh, it's good for my clients to see me here. It's really good for business. And I chickened out. I should have said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. I didn't do it. I just remember that comment. Right? That, that's, that's not good. What are we here for? Or think about what Pope Francis, did any of you hear his sermon back in February? Oh, my gosh. It was a blistering sermon. And it was during a mass. And Pope Francis in this sermon, he was like, you know, he says, all these Christians, these Catholics, you know, you come to church, you come to Mass, and you associate with the right people, and you, and you read your Bible, and you own a business maybe. He says, and then you, you leave Mass, and then you go, and you don't pay your workers a fair wage, and then you exploit them, and then you're dishonest in what you're doing on your taxes and whatever else. And then he said, it would be better for you to be an atheist than to be a Christian like that. Whoa! Man, I couldn't preach a sermon like that. That's blistering stuff, even though I kind of just preached it, you know. (laughs) You know, there is a power. There is something that happens when we strive to make our habits in our life line up to what we say we believe about God. You know, there's power in that. You know, in the ancient world, through the Middle Ages, all the way up really to modern, modern times, It used to be the case that if you wanted to be a pastor, if you wanted to be a good leader, if you wanted to be a good parent, whatever, it was was understood that you actually had to be good. Like, Like There needed to be some virtue in your life. To be a good leader meant that you were striving. You had virtuous habits going on in your life. In other words, you know, if you wanted to be a good public speaker, the best public speakers in those days understood that you, they lived, had, they had good character. You know, that, that the power was in not just the words, but the life behind the words. Am I making sense? We don't believe that anymore. We don't care about character that much anymore. What we care about, and I've noticed this, this has been happening for the last 25 years, is that we care about efficiency. You know, I don't care how somebody lives, I just want them to get the job done. God cares about character. God cares about what we're doing. Are we living? What's our character really like? What are our habits looking like behind the scenes? Do we have some integrity in our lives? This is why the church has a category, a certain category of people that are called saints. We have saints. We recognize saints in the Christian faith. Why? Because saints are the people who prove to us that what Jesus said can actually be lived. You can do this. Like St. Francis, St. Teresa, they show us that it's not just head knowledge, it is actually something that you can do. If we didn't have any saints, like if there were no such thing, I don't think the church would exist because Christianity really cares about the kind of life it produces. Like what are we looking like? That's why we have saints in the church. You know, one of my... Um, my responsibilities as a pastor 
uh, in addition to just serving this church, is that since I'm an ordained elder and I get to wear the long robe, Jesus said, watch out for people like that. But one of the privileges that I have is that now when there's a person who is thinking about becoming an ordained pastor, uh, I get to be a mentor to them. So I get to counsel them, to ask them questions. And it's kind of weird to be on that side of the table. And the thing that I always do is that I, I press every person on how they're actually living. Like, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you serving? You know, all those things. And because I think habits matter. Character really matters. God can bless that. And there's this question that I, I say to each, each one, and, and it's, it's this. I say, if your pastor lived your lifestyle, would you be proud your pastor is your pastor? And they're like this. I shall read my Bible. Because it's very easy behind this to lead a double life. Now, wait a minute. You're ordained too. So I'll ask you, you ready? If your pastor lived your lifestyle, would you be proud your pastor is your pastor? I don't say that to throw a guilt trip on you, but folks, character matters. It matters. I was trying to think all week of what uh, the antidote to hypocrisy would be. So how do we solve this? So... Uh, And I actually think the antidote to hypocrisy is actually in the question John Wesley asked. And and what I mean by that is, okay, so if pretending to be better than what you are is hypocrisy, then the opposite would have to be the case, wouldn't it? Like by not pretending to be better than you actually are, that will end hypocrisy. I was thinking, I don't think I've ever seen a hypocrite in an AA meeting. Why? You show up to an AA meeting, whether you're sober or not, you're broken. And your, your presence there testifies to that. They're real with their pain. They can't pretend. They can't hide behind anything. Uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, um, uh, we did, if you weren't here, we, we did kind of some camp meeting style worship. And uh, I have to tell you, I really had a blast with that. And you know, I got some feedback from some people. Some of you loved it. Some of you were kind of like, oh, I don't know about all that. That was a little different, and, and I heard all that. But you know what was so interesting is that all the people that I've heard from, they remembered not the sermon. They don't remember really the, the music. They might remember the venue. But you know what really stands out for almost everybody? Can anybody guess? Can anybody guess what everybody remembers? Those testimonies. People got up and just came to this microphone that was right over here. And they just shared what was going on in their lives. And it was powerful. Why is it powerful? Because they got vulnerable. And the power of God just worked through that. And I remember thinking, man, what, what, if, what if church were like that all the time? Like we wouldn't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have to wear a mask. I mean, you look so nice now. You're in your Sunday vestment, and, and yet we could come and just be so broken. I'm leading a class right now, uh, Financial Peace, and there's 30 people in that class or more, and most of them don't even go to our church. But I'll tell you, the first day, and they emailed me about this, the first day that they were there, everybody kind of went around and shared their frustrations. And, and the people who were in the class then emailed me going, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that everybody was in the same boat I am. 
And it, it just opened things up. And, and, and one woman said, now I have hope for the first time in my life. And that, that's awesome. It's vulnerability, not the masks. I'm almost done. Um, Anne Lamott is a great uh, Christian writer, and I'm reading a book of hers right now that I commend to you. It's, it's called Discovering Mercy, and I haven't gotten through it, but there's a section in that book, and it's just beautiful. She says that in ancient China, it was a common practice that when some valuable vessel, like we could just imagine this as being very valuable, if it broke, it was a common practice to go put it together, and then where the cracks are, you would actually layer where the crack was with gold leaf. You know what gold leaf is? Yeah, okay, so in, in other words, they actually thought that you dishonored this valuable possession if you broke it, put it together, and tried to conceal where the crack was. No, well, you, to honor it, they believe, is that you layer that crack, that broken place, with gold leaf. You know, so many of us, we want God to fix us. Like we want God to, to heal us so we don't have to remember what's happened or the pain in our past. But could it be the case that what God does to us is he doesn't really fix us? Maybe he just takes our broken places and, and what he does is, is that he just layers it with a gold leaf of his grace. So the places, the broken places in our lives are now more visible, but yet they're more beautiful because of it. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're broken in front of other people, there's grace and there's healing in that. We can stop pretending to be better than what we are. Here I am, here's my stole, my yoke, my robe. But folks, I struggle with you as much as you struggle yourself. I need the mercy of God as much as any of you. My name is Shane, and I am a hypocrite. And I hope of the good kind. And thank God I can stop pretending otherwise. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Harrison Church now offers Text to Give, a quick and easy way to tithe or donate anytime, anywhere. Text HUMC and your gift amount to 73256. For more information, you can visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.